close encounters of the third kind. Actual contact. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. I gotta do look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! The Sasquatch was approximately eight to ten feet tall. It looked very human-like, but it definitely wasn't a human. After seven years of research, I am more convinced than ever that the creature known as Nessie is a real living animal. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Welcome to Mysteriousnesses. I am John Jay, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, the Lances, Lauren and Endless Mike, and Jared Walker has decided to grace us with his presence once again. His benevolence. His benevolence. You guys thank you, Jared. You want me on that wall? Being here. His illuminance. No, we we propped you up. We're not saying we didn't prop you up. We propped you up for sure. Yeah. Pulled you up. You pull, we pulled you up for nothing, Jared. Pulled you and up by your own you. bootstraps. Self-made man. Yeah. I don't know if I would call that self-made. Self-made, yeah. We pulled your we, bootstraps. We no. made this. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I had all the tools there. Welcome to the show. This is episode number 11. We Woo-hoo. are past 10. We are officially wow, really? in the double digits. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Didn't seem like that many to me. It really it, doesn't. But. but I guess when you're used to doing like almost 400 of another. It's yeah, that's true. 10, doesn't, 10 isn't even that much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're you know, we're glad we're glad to be here. Uh, we hope uh, some of you that are listening right now are new. May have heard us on the Bubba Army Radio. Uh, if you guys have never heard of Bubba the Love Sponge, he is a radio personality based out of Tampa, Florida, and uh, we are featured on his online audio streaming service now every Saturday at six p.m. So if yes. you'd rather listen to it that way, you can go ahead and listen to it that way. And if, if you not, were trying to listen to it at 8, like we said, turns out we were incorrect when we said 8. Sorry about that. They liked us so much, they said they 6 They gave o'clock us a better is, time yeah, slot. <laughs> this is where these guys belong. That yeah, works I don't for know. me. So 6 p.m. on Bubba Army Radio 1. Uh, we got a lot of great things to talk about in the show, including time travel on in our feature segment. And we do have a new update on ghost sex. Woo. Yes, my favorite. Yeah. One of the best. Right now, let's go ahead and start with uh, science news. Let's uh, talk about NASA's uh, unveiling today of seven new exoplanets that yeah. are found uh, in a stol- uh, in a solar system, what is it, 34 light years away? Just Something about, like that? somewhere around yeah, there. It's a 40, 40 light years. 40 light years or away. Or 235 trillion miles from Earth. Practically neighbors. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're right there. Well, with the... Uh, they just came out with that um, the new particle that's self-sustaining that can travel almost the speed of light. So there we go. That is going to replace rocket fuel pretty soon. So they could get there. So maybe they could get there like within a hundred years. I would. That's a probably a conservative estimate. That feels okay. like a good yeah. Well, well, that- explain to us why these planets are important, Lauren. Okay. Well, uh, the planets orbit a dwarf star named Trappist One. Which, as I said, was 40 light years. That shit sounds hood as fuck. It does! Trappist one? Trappist one. <laughs> For a hundred, the 100-year hundred trip, they only play trap music to hype trap you up. Trap music yeah. one. Trappist one. 
His mixtape is fire. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, actually there should be a rapper named <laughs> Trappist One. That son is fire. Hey, <laughs> uh, uh, nice. Um, so all seven planets orbit the same sun, which is exciting because for it means every that their gravity's not all fucked up. Yeah, the gravity's not all fucked up, so that's good. Not all jacked and shit, like the scientific term, you know. Uh, yeah. But the cool thing about it is one or more of the exoplanets in this new system could be at the right temperature to be awash in oceans of water. Okay. Uh, I almost thought from the you were going to say awash in oceans of blood. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not ruled out yet either. That's blood so. is one of the four that's elements. That's the title of her next song, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Be ready for that. Oh, that that is going to be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, that. I just decided I'm going to do that. That's like, yeah, I am doing that. I'm glad I have this recorded so I don't forget. Uh, this is the first time so many planets of this kind are found around the same star. Michael Gillian, an astronomer at the University of Liege in Belgium, and the leader of an international team that has been observing TRAPPIST-1, said during a telephone news conference orgiz- organized by the journal Nature, which has published the findings today. Uh, sci- scientists could even discover compelling evidence of aliens. I think that we have made a crucial step towards finding if there's life out there, said Amari H.M.J. Triad, an astronomer at the University of Cambridge in England and another member of the research team. Here, if life managed to thrive and releases gases similar to that we have on Earth, then we will know. So basically they're saying if there's enough methane in the fucking, okay. in the fucking atmosphere, then we can be certain that there's probably life. Yep. Some form of life. Well, yeah, this is more exciting because... Something's there farting it up. Something's farting it up. If you remember last year, we talked about uh, uh, radio astron- astronomers had found uh, that anom- anomaly. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember that. investigating that, but that was so far away, it wasn't even realistic that we could get there in the next hundred years within the next several generations yeah no it's not gonna happen so this one is actually this is is this the closest solar system to our solar system I don't think it's the closest I don't think it's the closest it's It's the closest that would have a a, a, a habitable ecosystem essentially so what you're saying is Mm. that we just discovered the planets from Avatar yeah. Possibly, yeah. So these are the planets that we get oil from once we deplete the oil here. Right, right. So, But but are you saying that I could move there and become a cat person? Maybe. I would like to. Well, so we you wouldn't ruled it out physically yet. move there. You would just control a biomechanical an, construct. An avatar? Yeah. yeah. That's ah, fine. Ah, that's where that name no, comes from. No, didn't the guy's from. body die in the end of that anyway and he became one of those cat people? Yeah. If I remember right. Shit, it's been years since I watched that. But yeah, I think that seems like a poetic enough thing. Yeah, because he had to fuck the plants at some point to stay alive. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. He stuck his tail hole in his... In the plant hole. His tail tick in the plant hole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The closest solar system to us is Alpha Centauri. Oh, okay. That's at uh, 4.24 light years away. Oh, that's really... Well, guess what, guys? We don't give a shit about you now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah there's some place well, No, that's they're a jumping off point. So there's a we kind of yeah, have to. There's pictures of these planets, but I guess we can't really get. I don't know if these are just renderings of what they I might look like. I can't tell if they're renderings or not. I think they're renderings. Yeah, the asshole scientists kept putting it in sepia tones. Yeah. What? These are these are just Instagram photos. Yeah. Instagram filters are dumb. Of what they made. <laughs> Knock it off, NASA. You're not hip. Yeah, NASA's just trying to get their Instagram media going. Yeah, they need to learn that you can't just use the filters. You have to edit a little bit beforehand. They turn, uh, on, they turn on that Snapchat filter so all the planets have puppy faces on it. The dog yeah. filter. <laughs> that would be good. That would be way cuter than these renderings. 
Yeah, these are not cute planets. Uh, moving on to cryptozoology news. A uh, fossil of monster worm with snapping jaws discovered. Mike found this one for us. Uh, a giant worm with terrifying jaws has caught researchers' eyes who say the huge extinct marine worm is a new species known to science. What's more, it's been named after the bass player from a death metal band called Cannibal Corpse. It's fucking metal as fuck. The scientists discovered the fossilized remains of the worms not in the wild, but in a museum. The worm fossil and others had actually been in Canada's Royal Ontario Museum since 1994 after a researcher took samples from a remote site in Ontario, only uh, reachable by helicopter. Based on the fossil, they think the worm was over three feet long and had jaws over a quarter of an inch in size. Oh, it was one of those tremors. So it's like a little mini tremors. Graboid. Graboid. That is is the, uh, you know, the scientific term now this is what i've been saying for years i i say you get archaeo uh you get archaeological students and for their uh internship or for their uh research project you just let them loose in these like over you know over 100 200 year old museums you know oh yeah all this oh, yeah because there's well, cause the, the collection the collections are so like the storage is so vast in these museums yeah you can't catalog it all it, it's like or you know like the records have been lost maybe the records are there but the records have been lost so mm. like if you look at a museum like the natural history museum in new york city uh 90 percent of their collection is not on display that's so crazy. So yeah. there's so much stuff that you could find in these old museums where, you know, when, you know, people were actually out in the field and, you know, people were paying for people to t- take uh, fossils. Mm-hmm. And even if they are cataloged, who says who's to say they're still cataloged correctly? Yeah. Just some old science that well, we're you gotta like, look at the catalog. Yeah, where they're like <laughs> like, Oh, these are brontosaurus bones. Well brontosauruses aren't real anymore. Yeah, so, so what I think. These? So what was that yeah. really? I think it would actually be easier to make new discoveries by uh, researching inside these old museums than going out in the field. That's actually a really good idea, especially for a fledgling archaeologist. Oh like, yeah, why for the your fuck internship. not? Yeah. Yeah, you could write a paper based on a discovery you found in a museum. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> There's so much stuff there. Uh, so. Uh, this, uh, the fossil is over 400 million years old, and the creature was known as a bristle worm. The University that sounds of, like a nightmare. Uh, the University of Bristol uh, compares this ancient worm to modern-day bobbit worms, which ambush and eat fish or cephalopods like squids. What? The scientists gave the new worm species an interesting name, Wester, Westerproian Armstrongi. The second part of the name is in honor of Derek K. Armstrong, a member of the Ontario Geological Survey who took the helicopter ride to collect the samples in the first place. The first part is more interesting. That's in honor of musician Alex Webster, a bass player for Cannibal Corpse, a death metal band, according to the statement of the discovery. This is because Webster was a giant on the base, just like the worm itself was a giant. That's a, oddly... So or because it's just a metal-ass worm. So it's basically that scientist who named it just really fucking loves Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, ner- yeah nerds like Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, that's, that's that seems right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bringing up uh, a picture of a bobbit worm, I gotta say, these things look horrific. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so if a no, giant... awful looking. So imagine that three and a half feet long. Yeah. Jared would just kill himself right there. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is, is how I die. <laughs> Yeah, here's a here's a picture of a guy pulling one of those worms up. You can see kind of based on oh, his hand it's size. It's like creepy looking and small. So one yeah. that was It's like the giant. it's like the size of a shoelace almost. 
Right, right, okay. I should uh, start carrying a gun around just in case I encounter something well, like that. Well, this is America, Mike. Did you learn anything right. from Tremors? Well, no, it's so I can kill myself when I encounter one. Did you learn anything from Tremors? You should have had a gun on you already. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're already dead, Mike. Yeah, you're done. Oh, sorry. It's, we're going to get eaten right now. <laughs> See you in 25 years. There's definitely one of those worms in John's backyard. Or Probably. in his stomach. Why the house There's one in my sinking. stomach right now. <laughs> Uh, writer investigates Walton Park Gnomes case. This is like a little Gnomes update. We talked, about, we did a feature segment on that last year. If you would like to listen to that, you can go to somethingplanet.com or mysteriousnesses.com. I love how official we sound. We say you can listen to a segment from last year. Yeah, yeah. We're like on the radio and stuff now. Like, uh, A bizarre encounter by six school children in 1979 is the subject of a new investigation by Dr. Simon Young. Uh, the peculiar incident which took place in Walton Park, Nottingham, involved a group of young children aged between 8 and 10 who all claimed to have witnessed a remarkable sight. Their testimony told of an evening encounter with several dozen white-bearded gnomes who at the, half their height wore naughty-style caps and drove around the park in tiny bubble cars. What is a bubble the car? The fuck is a I don't know. Car? It's like a little bubble you drive around? Is it around? like a Glinda the Good Witch type mechanism? Oh, yeah. I guess that's probably Maybe? a good description. Uh, the children remain adamant that they had spent around 15 minutes in the gnome's company. Fast forward to the present day, and now writer and historian Dr. Simon Young has reopened the case in a renewed effort to get to the bottom of the mystery and learn what actually happened. To aid in his research, he is seeking out the original children who will now be in their 40s. The Wallington Park sightings badly needs our longer study, he said. I would like to interview them about their memories. I will guarantee absolute an- anonymity. People are uh, understandably very sensitive about these matters. Bizarrely, there were even encounters with the alleged gnomes by adult witnesses some years prior, as detailed in Majority Johnson's book, Seeing Fairies. In the early 1900s, Miss C. George claimed to have seen little men dressed as policemen. They were smiling and looking (laughs) very happy, she said at the time. They hadn't any wings, and as far as I can remember, they were between two and three feet in height. So, yeah. Okay. More gnome cases. So, yeah, uh, yeah, if, if you guys have ever seen a gnome... Look us up on Facebook. Yeah, please do. (laughs) I'd love to hear that story. Or pictures. If you got a picture, even better. Um, Let's see. Moving on to UFO news. Aliens accidentally killed me, but took my corpse onto UFO to save my life. Typical Friday. This is an update to the Travis Walton case, which is better known as the TV movie from the 90s called Dies the Fire. Fire in the Sky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fire in the Sky. Dies the Fire is the S.M. Sterling novel. Yeah, yeah. Until he confused us. Um, Yeah, Lauren had actually never heard about it, so we can can talk about it a little bit right now. Um, It's it's probably one of the most famous, if not the most, of alien abduction cases of all time. It is really odd to me that I just have passed that up entirely. Uh, The events which allegedly happened to Travis Walton 41 years ago are one of the world's most infamous so-called alien abduction cases. But it now appears he may not actually have been abducted after all, but instead rescued. The twist in the story has been revealed by UFO researcher J.P. Robinson after a meeting with Mr. Walton at an alien conference. The case began in uh, November 1975 in the Apache Greaves National Forest near Phoenix, Arizona, when six forestry worker colleagues of Mr. Walton's reported him missing after they allegedly saw him get blasted back 20 feet by an energy beam from a UFO that appeared over the trees. Officers thought it was an elaborate cover-up, and they had actually killed him and disposed of the body. But five days later, he turned up saying he had been abducted by aliens and had been forced to punch his way out. 
<laughs> punch? Just punch your way right out of a UFO. If you're ever in a UFO, start punching. Oh, yeah, start if you're punching. in any situation where you're like, I don't want to be here anymore, just start punching people. No, yeah, throw if you you're out. surrounded yeah. by Nazis. Several alien cultures don't even know what violence is. Yeah, so you oh, can those totally the best, best them. Ones yeah, you can exploit. you can totally beat them in a fight because they don't know what's happening. No, this yeah. is what that's what's interesting about this one is that he had friends with him, disappeared. The cops thought they murdered him, as you would, you know, you like like the guys reported missing, and then these guys say that there's a UFO. Although, if I murder one of you guys, I'm not telling the cops that you were abducted by a UFO. Yeah, no, nobody the, would even notice. We're yeah, gone. that's the worst. Well, first of all, that. Second of all, that's the worst excuse ever. Like, oh, well, uh, they got abducted. I don't know where they are. Yeah, yeah. John, John would just tell him Bigfoot ate us. Yeah, Bigfoot uh, carried Jared off on his shoulders. He was and giggling, so I don't think he was in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> Oh. Not Bigfoot, Jared. Jared oh, was giggling because yeah. the Bigfoot's like tickling him and giving him a piggyback ride. Oh my <laughs> god, that's the cutest image I have. We're friends. <laughs> but yeah, then after five days, this guy showed back up again at a gas station and called 911, I think. Yeah, he claims to have seen three gray aliens on a UFO and later human-looking beings described as smooth-skinned and blemishless. Now Mr. Robinson has uh, relayed new details on his website. He wrote, I was never convinced of the authenticity of this incident incident not to say i didn't believe it it's just that you can never be wholly sure all that changed when i met travis walton and got the fantastic opportunity to speak face to face with a man who claims to have met beings from another world and try to figure out whether he is for real or just a good liar after having spent quality time in his presence and talking privately about his experience i can only conclude that this man really did meet those beings aboard their ship what wasn't clear before was the question of why they would zap him with a beam of light to begin with. It's all too sci-fi for me. However, he now realizes it was an accident which killed Mr. Walton. He said Travis was in the wrong place at the wrong time and should never have been stood or stood so close to an incredible machine. He himself explained that he was just about to turn back to the truck seconds before being struck. It now seems that the craft was preparing to take off into the night sky it inadvertently knocked Travis for uh, for six, killing him in the process. Yes, you read that right. Travis told me that he believed he was, he was actually dead. So now we get to the real question, which so many people ask. Why did they take him on board? Well, according to the man himself, they took him in order to save his life, and this clearly succeeded in doing. Mr. Robinson said the st story now has a more legitimate tone. Uh, he added it was an accident and an act of humanitarianism. He said, Travis Walton has made me believe again, or should I say I know again, that we truly are in the midst of something remarkable and it is only a matter of time before the bigger picture is revealed. So yeah, basically all these guys still maintain their story. It's 40 years later and uh, they all passed lie detector tests. So yeah. it's like, a, you know, a bunch of forestry workers I don't think are totally equipped to pass a lie detector test. No, I don't think so. So no matter what... Or stay committed you, you figure, to a forty-year-old lie. Yeah. yeah, you figure one would crack, yeah. right? Well, no matter what actually occurred, there's no doubt that they believe what they're saying is true. That there's that they absolutely believe it. Yeah. I mean, them passing the, the test doesn't prove that that's exactly what happened, but it does right. prove that they believe that's what happened. Yeah, and that is important in its own right. I mean, there's still something that's said for the guy missing for five days and no one could find him. Yeah, which is like, yeah. where the fuck did he go? Yeah. I mean, that could all be part of the hoax, but just just the fact that it's been forty years and not one of them's gotten bored of this game. 
Right. You know, like we've we've played longstanding uh, lies with each other where we were just like all committed to something and then just kept it going. And eventually we forgot we were doing that and cop to the truth at one point. This yeah. happens to me all the time. Mike yeah. lies to me about things and I find out years later that that <laughs> thing isn't true. Yeah, yeah and I just, a, I just I just yes and. We all just yes and each other. Right. So Mike would be like, yeah, one time I got uh, kidnapped by Bigfoot. We're like, that's true. We saw it happen. Yeah. And then 10 days later we'll be like, Remember that time we told Lauren that Bigfoot lived in the house? And she was like, what? That didn't happen. I'm like, oh, yeah, we were lying about that. Yeah. We forgot. We forgot that was a game we were playing. Yeah, that's what happens. Like, oh, I forgot that I told you that bullshit story. <laughs> yeah, so there's, it, it seems unlikely that four different, like, how many of them? It was four of them, right? Well, including Travis, five. So five total. Five total people can keep a secret and a lie going with their story straight for 40 years. Yeah, without it being true, or at least them believing that it's true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, maybe that's, it, might, it might not be aliens, but yeah, something that's the most compelling something evidence. Something weird killed him happened. and then stole his body for five days and then brought him back. Yeah, he was definitely kidnapped. Maybe right? that was just how long it took for them to get him back to life. All right, real quick, uh, in paranormal news, uh, before we get to our feature segment, uh, beware the deadly demon truck of Se- Seven Hills Road, Maryland's strangest haunting. Okay. Okay. I am. Is this like a Stephen King thing? Uh, it seems like a Stephen King thing, but it, it's uh, a lot of people are really convinced this is true. Hmm. I'm trying to get the Chromecast to work so that Lauren and Jared can see the article. Here we go. Uh, when we think of ghost stories, our mind usually conjure up visions of phantom soldiers, translucent ladies in white dresses, and creepy children in old-time clothes. But in Maryland's historic... Uh, Elcott City, the locals whisper tales of a stranger kind of haunting, one involving the ghost of a vehicle. For decades, the demon truck of Seven Hills Road has terrified residents, and when you hear the stories of their encounters with the four-wheeled phantom, you might find yourself afraid of ghost cars as well. Just behind Ellicott City, I think that's Ellicott, yeah, Mm. Often referred to as one of the most haunted cities in America, sits seven hills with a twisting two-lane road running through them. It's long been said that those who drive the stretch of pavement at night, hitting the seventh hill at the stroke of midnight, should be aware of the demon truck, a jet-black vehicle driven by a faceless entity. Those who've encountered the demon truck says it appears out of thin air, barreling down the road at 100 miles an hour, hell-bent on causing your vehicle to crash. And crash they have. Uh, Here's an anecdote. My brother Tim was one that lost his life on this road in 1971, local resident Barb Pollahan sadly reflected in an online message board. He wasn't driving, but with a group of teens that were joyriding. I can still see the picture of the twisted car on the cover of the Catonsville Times. Please don't try to hit the 7th or any of the hills at any time. This tragedy haunts me to this day. Seven Hills Road was actually named College Avenue, and it has claimed the lives of dozens of young drivers in the last decade alone and injured hundreds more. A quick scan of Maryland newspapers turns up countless articles of car accidents on the legendary road outside Ellicott City, the majority of which uh, can be linked to hill hopping, a late-night hobby linked to demon truck summoning ritual. Okay. All right. Uh, The Deadly Hills have seen so much vehicular carnage that it seems as if the ghostly truck was born out of the very act of death itself. So kids basically, like, try to jump these hills like okay. just drive up them really fast oh, to okay. try to, to summon like, the demon truck and then they die doing that 
Or, yeah, the, or the demon truck. If, if it's a real thing, it's probably a manifestation of all the people who've died over the years in these on this road. Yeah, it's like a, it's all a, those it's people. A tulpa. Everybody just believes it, so it's it's a real thing. Hmm. Yeah. And then all the people who uh, killed themselves doing it just feed feed it with more energy. Feed into yeah. It. Well, there's a lot of theories that uh, there's a lot of theories that haunting activity especially when it's something that's not particularly a person but like a thing like a car is just recorded time and with record and in those specific instances it usually has to do with what the type of rock is in the area with quartz it's a there's a lot of Studies have been done on quartz. In so you think areas. they think that quartz can uh, record, record something from like, time, especially if it has like an emotional impact or something like that. So your theory is that this car or that this truck is the first joy rider who died mm-hmm. on this road. <laughs> yeah, and then it just keeps playing that over and over again. And he scares the shit out of other kids who crash the car recycles. as well. And so I was like, well, I I was googling while you were talking. I was like, well, I wonder if this area is known for quartz. So I looked up Ellicott City Quartz, and there is a quarry there, and it's known specifically for Ellicott City Gran- Granodiorite, which has a, um, at its core, is Quartz Monzionite. So that's kind of interesting that they have a Quartz Quarry right the fuck okay, there. Okay, that makes... Huh. All right. That's a good theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, on October 11th of November 2011, a family of four decided to investigate many of Ellicott City's dark legends for themselves. After the sun went down, they hopped in the car and set off for Heartbeat Ridge, Heartbeat Bridge, site of local crybaby bridge legend. Uh, stopping to search for the ghosts of the abandoned Papasco Women's Institute before deciding that it was time to test the ghost car myth. So this area is actually home to a lot of different weird paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cry baby bridge. Uh, we made sure that no one was driving or walking so we could speed down the hills, the youngest adventurer wrote. We hit about 93 miles per hour and reached the end of the road. We had seen nothing, so we made a U-turn and tried again. Still nothing. We tried about five times and got nothing, so we decided that the ghost car myth was really just a myth after all. The thing about ghost stories, though, is they never seem to end when you expect them to. Uh, We raced down the street a little after midnight just to enjoy the butterfly feelings we got in our stomachs when this dark-colored truck appeared almost out of nowhere. We had panicked and drove even faster, hitting about 98 miles per hour, uh, hopping the truck would slow down, or hoping the truck would slow down and back off. If only that had happened. The truck sped up right on our tail, and we expected to get rear-ended. This was just our luck when we reached the end of the road, and the truck disappeared. We don't know what we expected that night. We still think it was the ghost car, but we may never know. All I can say is I do believe in this myth. You may not believe, but I must say I do. Hmm. So this is like a pretty common story. That's interesting. It's interesting that that area is so... um Haunted. Haunted, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to look at this area of Maryland. Uh, Here's another anecdote. When I was 16 years old, my brother and I had some of our friends, and some of our friends were out for one of our joy rides and just happened to come across Seven Hills by accident. It was well after midnight, and me being the level-headed one, I wanted to go home, but my brother being the daredevil wanted to test the legend. It seemed like we were the only ones on the road. It was pitch black and dead silent when out of nowhere headlights were right on top of us. It freaked us out and thought, and we thought the vehicle was going to ram into our car, but it didn't. 
We sped up and pulled off the road, but when we calmed down enough to get back on the road, the car was gone. It was nowhere, and the roads, and the road stretched for miles. It was like the demon truck appeared out of nowhere. I never forgot that experience, and to this day, I will never drive the Seven Hills at night. Hmm. Wow. So no one's actually sure when the demon truck started to appear, but the trees alongside Seven Hills Road bear the marks of countless car accidents that have occurred over the years, many of which have forced the city to repave, install guard rails, and alter speed limits. In fact, new housing developments along College Avenue have changed the landscape considerably since the demon truck's legends peak in the 90s. When one, uh, what once was a sparsely populated spooky stretch of rough pavement, pavement is now a smooth, busy road lined with luxury homes. You might think that such a uh, stark ch- change would dial down the spookiness of, of the Seven Hills legend, but the land has adapted to the times, and so has the haunting. In the last few years, fewer and fewer people have encountered the Sinister Demon Truck, and instead have begun to report encounters with a strange cloaked woman standing in the middle uh, of the road. By the time the figure is spotted, it's already too late, and the drivers are forced to either veer off the road or brace for impact, in which case the entity disappears. So that's interesting. Yeah. It's more developed, so people aren't speeding as much. So now whatever this thing is is standing in the road and trying to get people to swerve and miss it. Yeah, wow. so there's It's weird that there's it a desire changed. for people to crash seemingly, yeah. which is very odd. Which makes you wonder do, do the crashes or at least the fear of the people does that empower this Thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would guess the crashes do. Yeah. Yeah. Last year me and my two friends went out looking for the ghost car and while we didn't see any black trucks we did see a strange woman walking down the center of the road, uh, one legend seeker wrote. She was wearing a black cloak with a hood. Soon as we saw her, we slammed on the brakes, but she didn't pay, us, uh, pay any attention to us. When we uh, passed her, she looked up and into the car, and we could see that she didn't have any pupils. Fuck. That's scary. This is another black-eyed encounter, I guess? Yeah. Or it could just be a ghost. Because it of freaked us the fuck out, and we hit the gas. But when we looked back, she was gone. We all saw her, so she know we knew she was there. Uh. So yeah, it's it seems like the entity has has actually changed its mo. Yeah, that doesn't speak of like the recording, like Lauren was right. talking about. That's yeah. seemed, that's more intelligent. Yeah. Of some sort. It's trying to trick people into just smashing their shit up. Yeah, that's so. that's some creepy shit right there. Yeah, for sure. That goes back to Mike's original posit that maybe it's a topa of some kind. Of just people believe that there's an entity causing things to crash, and because car, a car it. doesn't work anymore, they'd be like, oh, the car wouldn't be there anymore. Now it's a housing place. Now it's a person. Yeah, now yeah. it's a per- Yeah, so. Yeah, that's creepy. Um, all right, well, we will be right back, and we will discuss all the implications of time travel, time slips, and time travelers. Right. Welcome back. Uh, we're talking about time travel. This is like a... We all do it. Th- I mean, yeah, we all time travel. 
Uh, we're doing it right now. Very slowly. Yep. One second at a time. Can't go <laughs> back. Real That's time still travel. Going forward. Real time travel. That's, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag real time travel. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, this is one of my favorite subjects. I love talking about uh, time travel and just the implications. There's of, just so of it fucking much to it. In you know, if it was real, you know. Uh, so. Let's, I mean, I guess the concept of everybody knows what the concept of time travel is. Um, <laughs> uh, I would hope. Well, I mean, everybody's seen Back to the Future, right? Yeah. yeah. If they're listening to this yeah. podcast, they've seen Back to the Future. Yeah, you guys That's are. That's fair. Yeah, you to guys assume. are up on this. So, yeah. It's so, fair to simple assume. explanation. Uh, time travel. The, imagine the time that you're in right now, but you know, forward or backwards. Yes. The, the end. Yeah. End uh, of explanation. You Bruce got it. Willis is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And Looper. Story. Looper. All right, good night. Thanks for spoiling <laughs> it. <laughs> um, no, I do want to talk about the uh, ontological paradox, the, the uh, Nivakov self-consistency cons- principle named after Igor, Igor Dmitriev Nikov states that any actions taken by a time traveler or by an object that travels back in time were part of history all along, and therefore it is impossible for the time traveler to change history in any way. Because they're just a part of it. Yes. Which I think is the the fairest way to go about it, instead of the the issue of, you know, fucking your own grandfather and all that. Assuming crazy time shit. is a closed circuit. Well, it says the time traveler's actions may be the cause of events in their own past, though, which leads to the potential for circular causation, sometimes called predestination paradox. Mm-hmm. So that's just the idea of. If a time traveler goes back in time and changes time, then that has always happened. Yeah. Yeah, if he was already he was predestined to change time. Because otherwise, what would be the fucking point? <coughs> if if the time traveler goes back in time and changes time and it it hasn't ha- it as it it and it doesn't happen, then there's no reason to go back in time and change it. Uh this hurts my head. <laughs> it does. Well, it, yeah. it, I mean, we've all seen the Time Traveler movie where the person goes back in time and actually causes the problem that he was going back in time to try to prevent. Yes. So that's basically this idea. Exactly. Yeah. Or is what happened in that show. The Travelers, they fixed a problem and it changed time and they <clears throat> weren't aware that they had already fixed a problem. Yeah, to change time. That's what I've seen. Uh, I've seen that on other shows too, where they do change the timeline, but only the people that change the timeline recognize that it has ever been different. Yeah, yeah. I prefer the idea, though. What was it with time travelers where they even forget that they've changed the timeline? That would be cool. I think. I, I think. I, I think that would be more likely if they do change it. That's and that's what I completely prefer. Un- unaware of it. Yeah, they're they're purely just moving forward throughout their own timeline, and they forget why they even did it in the first place. Or because, the reasons changed. Yeah. Uh, let's get into uh, the Pegasus experiments. And no, that's not the one time that you try bisexuality at Pegasus Lounge. Yeah. What? Well, it could be. <laughs> it could be. It could be also. Pegasus Lounge. Oh, God. Um, I've often <laughs> mentioned Project Pegasus, but we've never really talked about it, you know. Uh, okay, so in 2004, Washington-based attorney Andrew D. 
Basiago began telling his story of a top-secret organization called Project Pegasus. Although he was only seven years old at the time, Basiago claims he had from 1968 to 1972 participated in a number of bizarre experiments that took him on journeys through time, space, and potentially into parallel universes. All right, that sounds dangerous. It sounds dangerous to just shoot a little kid around space and time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of bad. Uh... Project Pegasus was the classified defense-related research and development program under the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, uh, or DARPA, in which the U.S. defense uh, technical community achieved time travel on behalf of the U.S. government, the real Philadelphia experiment. So that's the uh, Project Pegasus uh, mission (coughs) statement. So we've talked about the Philadelphia experiment uh, on the show before. We've mentioned it, and it always pops up into these conspiracy theories. Because it's such a weird experiment. That's basically when... Uh, that was one where they got trapped in walls and shit. Yeah, where they they teleported a ship from one one place to another. Or I, I, I forget, I think they were trying to make the ship disappear, but instead it disappeared and then reappeared 24 hours later in a completely different port. And a bunch of people were like dead, stuck in the walls and stuff. Ah, okay. I was like, oh, There's a movie on it. Okay. Uh, I believe Dennis Quaid is in it. Yeah, well, no, he was really there in real life, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, the mission of Project Pegasus was to, uh, was to study the effects of time travel and teleportation on children, as well as to relay important information about past and future events to the U.S. president, intelligence community, and military. According to Basiago, children are re- were recruited specifically for their ability to, to adapt to the strains of moving between past, present, and future. How do you test for that shit? Well, no, that I think they just mean children in general are resistant. I wonder what their reasoning for that. While Basiago claims that there were several time travel devices at work during these experience, experiments, the majority of his temporal adventures can be attributed to our old friend Nikola Tesla. Ah, we talked about him too. Yep. Yeah. <coughs> it all comes back to, to Tesla. This. It always does. Documents allegedly retrieved from Tesla's New York City apartment after his death in January 1943 revealed uh, the schematic for a teleportation machine. Using something Basiago calls radiant energy, the machine would form a shimmering curtain between two elliptical booms. Radiant energy is a form of energy that Tesla discovered that is latent and pervasive in the universe and has, among its properties, the capacity to bend space-time. That's according to Andrew Basiago. So this guy's like a, a lawyer in Washington that just started He, he claims shit. that as a child he was in the, this project. Okay. Yeah. Passing through this curtain of energy, Basiago would enter a vortal tunnel that would send him to his destination. The other teleportation devices included a plasma confinement chamber in New Jersey and a jump room in El Segundo, California. Oh, so that's where that song comes from. Yeah, going back in time to El Segundo. Yeah, where he left his wallet. (laughs) There was also some kind of uh, holographic technology which allowed allowed them to travel both physically and virtually. Huh, so that okay. seems like the the safer idea. If you could virtually. travel travel back in time virtually. Virtually is I think the best option. You that, can't fuck with anything in the past. You're just experiencing it. That's like that one movie Deja Vu with Denzel, but then it turned out he could just jump through the hole. Yeah. Uh yeah, uh, yeah, he could jump through the the viewing hole. Yeah. <laughs> that was a dumb movie, but I liked it. <laughs> 
they weren't always safe, though. One of Basiago's cohorts, Alfred Webry, recalls one instance in which a child returned from his temporal voyage before his legs. Oh, oh shit. Damn. As he puts it, he was writhing in pain with just stumps where his legs had been. These bugs, according to uh, Webry, have been ironed out in the 40 or so years since the experiments began. Well, I would hope so. I wonder mm. if they were just, like, stumps where you could, like, see how it was cut all the way through. Yeah. Or if it was, like, skinned over stuff. Like, I would like more description of what the, what yeah. the cutoff looked like. I know that's weird. Yeah, whether but... it was actually a wound or it looked like, I don't know, it had happened before or something. Yeah. And I guess did I wonder if this kid's legs ever actually showed up. I'm guessing they well, did. Well, said before, so that makes one think that eventually they were found. His legs showed up in his bed three days later. Uh. Yeah, his his, le- his legs were in the Philadelphia experiment, stuck in a wall. Oh yeah. God, Jesus! <laughs> that would be uh, yeah. I don't know. This stuff sounds really crazy. So, where did Basiago travel during these experiments? Several of his voyages led him to the 1800s. On one occasion, he found himself at Gettysburg on November 19, 1863, the day President Abraham Lincoln gave his famous Gettysburg Address. As Basiago tells the story, he had been dressed up as a Union bugle boy. However, he felt that his oversized shoes were drawing too much attention, so he wandered away from the crowd, only to be photographed, as you can see in the alleged photo up there. That's... So he's saying that this little boy... Is him. Is him, and he walked away from the crowd because his shoes were too big that's no okay that's very hard that's to very tenuous yeah it well, could be any you, fucking picture if you zoom in right here you can see he has a name tag that says andrew basiago no i'm just kidding oh, i was gonna say like how the fuck are you seeing that it's a blurry as fuck picture <laughs> uh Basiago also traveled to the Ford Theater on the evening President Lincoln was assassinated. In fact, he did so uh, multiple times, even running into himself twice, though he never actually witnessed the assassination. What a waste! Yeah. He knew- what did he do? Yeah, what's he the fucking He was really play? watching that play. They didn't did he- do it after that. Was the play that fucking good? It yeah, got great reviews. It did, it did get good reviews. It's like he ran into himself and said, hey... Don't forget what you're actually here to see. Well, they were just experimenting, like, sending him places that... Uh, it seems like they were just sending him places that they could verify he actually showed up. This before. is why you don't use children for time travel experiments. Because they just they just run into each other. Just, yeah. Just I don't think they were trying to save... No, no, I'm not saying you should have saved him, but at least fucking watch it happen. Shit. So I'm guessing the two times he ran into himself was one was the first time... When his older self ran into him, and the second time when he is the older one ran into his younger self. So it's just the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, it was just one time that he saw saw himself. Uh, each trip, he says, he was slightly, or he each trip, he says, was slightly different from the last, leading Basiago to believe it wasn't just time travel at work. He was being sent into slightly different alternative realities on adjacent timelines. Finally, let's not forget about Basiago's trips to Mars. In the 1980s, he utilized the aforementioned jump room to teleport to the Red Planet with the express mission of acting as an ambassador to the Martian civilization. His fellow travelers, William Stillings and Barry Sorrento, who by these days goes by the name of President Barack Obama. Oh, come on. He says that Obama was also part of these experiments, and he traveled to Mars with Obama, but he called himself Barry 
Sorrento back then. Oh my fucking god! All right, All right. now I'm kind of not believing him. You, 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 he tried like he had me with the fact that he was in the project. Yeah, but like this shit is. If it this was really Barack Obama, he would have been Barry Nabunto and would have been from Kenya. No. Okay, let's just say you guys can believe in the time travel experiments, but not that the future president of the United States is a time traveler. Not if it's not what I said. <laughs> not if he's <laughs> from Kenya. Yeah. Oh, my well, God. Well, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just like see asking his birth too much. That's all I want to see. Long form. Uh, today, the new Project Pegasus, led by Andrew D. Basiago himself, is apparently campaigning for the United States government to publicly displo- uh, disclose its teleportation technology, which would benefit humanity as a whole and make transportation both on Earth and throughout the cosmos instantaneous and environmentally friendly. Or something like that. <laughs> At any rate, Basiago's story is, story is far from over. While the WebBot's prediction... In 2009, that he would make a planetary impact as a government whistleblower never really came to pass. Uh, he's got some new plans. Namely, he intends to run for president in 2016. Well, he didn't well, do that. that didn't happen. He did actually run oh, for president he? in oh, 2016. Oh, wasn't very successful. But so did a lot of people. <laughs> so, he wants a time for truth. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if time travel does exist, the U.S. government definitely has some shit going on. It's... It's highly unlikely, let's say that, that Obama fucking was a time traveler kid. Well, how else did a, 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 a Kenyan, a half-black, half-white Kenyan kid... Oh, my God. ...who grew up not wealthy become the president of the United States? He's a time traveler. <laughs> oh, so he went back with, like, the sports almanac kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, he, he probably just did enough to pay for Harvard. You know, he was very he was very clever about it. Yeah, he was really clever about it. You know, he uh, he he raised some money for some good causes. Uh, he, he he went to Ivy League schools and then uh, he ran for president. He's you know remember that giant grassroots uh, funding organization? It was just him uh, using a teleportation device to make five dollar donations a uh, million times. Oh, okay. He has all the time in the world. He's a time traveler. I don't you got know. me. You're, you're I think right. My th- I think my theory is perfect. That feels like the. I can't think of any holes in that theory. That feels like the the like one of the lines like you open up a book cover like a really cheesy time travel movie or time travel book where it's like he's got all the time in the world. He's a time traveler. Oh God! You see it yeah. in quotes. That's true. I I think Obama's definitely a time traveler. <laughs> it's a sexy time traveler. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about time slips. Real All right. Quick. Uh, well, no. Before we get to time slips, let's uh, let's uh, review some of these videos that are. Oh yeah, are really I love these cool. videos. They're probably fake, but I like them anyway. Well, some some of them I don't think are fake at all. But like like uh, let's go to let's go first to the Charlie Chaplin time travel thing. Uh, there here, is. let's. Well, here's time travelers in time. Uh, I don't want to hear the music. I want to Chromecast this to Lauren. Yeah, we've watched these videos already, but they're still good. To I, I want to watch them again right now, and you're gonna you're gonna be able to find all of these in the show notes. Uh, sorry about last episode show notes. Uh, uh, I got hacked by the Russians, eh. and they erased all my show notes in Google Chrome. Luckily, we were, Jared uh, was on hand to uh, thwart their attack. Well, yeah, they were trying. I to was able to uh, hack them back and ha- uh, hack them out. 
It sucks though because John. But he wasn't. He wasn't able to get the show notes. John will no, never. No, they, they made it out. They they hacked that from under us too quick. John yeah, they were will trying never to be able him into being a paid to successfully run for president now though. Yeah, because the Russians did hack me. Yeah, so. yeah. That's, so, that's a sad thing. I mean, but, I'm gonna run for president. I'm just not gonna. Win. You're not yeah. gonna win. But that just shows that last episode was so close to the truth. So that is true. It was too close, and now our timeline's been changed. It was actually a different episode before when we originally recorded it, but then we went back in time in about 20 years and made it into a different episode because it was too close. Mm-hmm. So if you want to look at these right now, uh, I guess we can't look at them at the same time, but uh, you'll see it's a footage from 1928, and it is footage of a woman walking past a camera, and she is holding a cell phone in her hand. This bougie, laughing fucking bitch walking around, time traveling, just talking on her phone. Like, that could be nothing else than a phone. Yeah. It, well, that's that's the weird thing about it. It's like, yeah, what else do you hold to the side of your face and talk into? In that time. What would that she was be, completely wireless. Why would she be doing that? I mean, did they even... The only thing I can think of that she might fucking have is that could it... Did they have handheld um, tape recorders back then? No. No. no well, then shit, not. there's nothing that could fucking be. Yeah, they didn't have handheld tape recorders until I would guess the 50s or the 60s. Even then, it was probably like a like a suitcase thing that you carried, right? Well, yeah, uh, old recording devices were yeah, like they the... they were uh, huge. And they weren't really... They were the ones with the the spinning... Uh, reel-to-reel. Reel-to-reel reel tapes, shit yeah. So there's yeah. no way it's that. Yeah, they didn't and, have micro cassettes. Yeah, and they didn't have uh, internal microphones. They had an actual microphone on a wire that you would hold up. The right. first ones anyways. So yeah, it'd be like a suitcase. So if she, she was some, if she was some sort of radio reporter, I don't even think radio reporters had the ability to record. I think they no, could they only, just had to write that shit down. They could just broadcast. They could broadcast, but I don't think they could record. Right? No, I'm not sure. I don't know enough. Not about... port- not portably anyway. Yeah, not portably. So there's no explanation for what that could be. The next one is from uh, the extended footage from one of Charlie Chaplin's movies in 1938, and it shows. Uh, people passing by, and what is clearly a elderly woman is what she looks like, talking into a cell phone. Yeah, hand she, to her face. Yeah, she looks like she's trying to be more subtle about it, though. Yeah, but I mean, she she has the mannerism. It, so it's it's the same scenario, but this is definitely old footage, and she's holding something to the side of her head, and she's talking, and she's also making all the mannerisms that you would make while talking into a phone. Yeah, you know, she's looking like stopping around. and looking around or turning during the conversation. You know, you know, yeah. like when you're talking on the phone, you're walking, you're, you can kind of be aimless. You yeah, know? you can kind of like you gotta you like stop for a second and then like make a point and then keep moving. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what this lady's doing. Right now, uh, now we're gonna look at. Um, I'm assuming that I could I could find this movie somewhere and find this scene in the movie. I don't know if this scene actually made the movie or not. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the other one is from 1995, and maybe I did not save that into the show notes because I'm not seeing it. But basically what it is, uh, we watched it earlier, it is a Mike Tyson fight oh, from, yeah. from 1995, and if you watch in the background, you can clearly see somebody holding up what appears to be an Android phone. Yeah. 
and snapping a picture. They're holding it up like they're either videotaping it or or snapping a picture of it. And there's there was nothing like that in yeah. 1995. Like not even just like a regular not even like a nice camera was that fucking thin yeah, or that shape. Yeah, but also because it doesn't have the lens that well, the cameras have. The back lens then. is yeah. incredibly small. Mm-hmm. Especially to take a picture from the distance that that guy was in 1995. Yeah, it looks just like the back of a cell of a smartphone. Like, like the even even the smallest lenses in 1995 were probably like those cheap ones in the disposable cameras, and they were still twice as big as the lenses on a phone. Yeah. So yeah, I don't even think they they didn't even have phone cameras back then. No, no. I mean, nobody I, did they have phone cameras? No, but I don't know. This looks <laughs> Not like a in smart. This looks like a smartphone. It's just like a box. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. it's literally as big as your like a Android or medium iPhone. sized your, your Galaxy Android. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. It looks about the size of a Galaxy. So yeah, that's that's a interesting thing. Uh, the next thing is these. Uh, I love this video. Really weird teleportation shots. Oh, these are great. Sorry. <laughs> but these are great. This is two guys talking. The first one is two guys just sort of talking on the street, and then a bike, a cyclist just appears out of nowhere. Yeah, that a cyclist just appears from behind the guy's back. Yeah. And yeah. then. The next one, we'll go ahead and describe these, Lawrence, because you guys can see them and I can't. Okay, well, it's just these two guys talking, and it looks like one guy's got like a. What is that? Is that a fucking. Is the one guy holding a. An accordion. An accordion? So yes. that's kind of weird. And then just like a bike appears that looks like it went behind the first guy, but it just. It only shows up. After it's on the other side of yeah, him. Yeah, it shows up on the other side of him, but you can see, you can clearly see where it should have come from, and yeah. nothing goes by there. Right, which it could be some sort of clever video editing. But there's not even anything big enough to. I mean, it could be. I mean, obviously these could all be faked. Yeah. But uh, the next one is a uh, what appears to be like a dash cam. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're looking at right now? Yes. And uh, a, a, a guy, a truck swerves, and then a guy just kind of flashes into existence and walks off the side of yeah, the road. Yeah, and he shows up in the middle of the truck swerve. And like, if he had actually been in front of the truck, he would have been run no, over. No, yeah, he would have been like he's directly like inches behind the truck when he appears. Yeah, like also could be good, clever video editing. Uh, next, we have a car. Uh, turning on a rainy street and another car kind of just pops out from nowhere from no it's another instance where you can see both sides of a thing and you only see the new image on the ending side of it yeah right it's very you guys weird can find this video in the show notes it's called top five teleportation and time travelers caught on tape uh what is the next one lauren this next one is a car driving down the road. Uh, oh shit! I forgot this. I forgot about <laughs> oh, this video. Shit. Yeah, it's another dash cam of a car behind it, and then the first car kind of swerves to uh, get out of traffic. Um, to, there's a, a car that it's trying to pass, and then all of a sudden, a guy just pops out of the side of this vehicle. The door doesn't open, and the windows are too small for him to have crawled out. He just manifests 
Yeah, and kind of perpendicular like to the car, yeah. to the car, and flops to the ground, and then gets run over. And the weirdest part of it is, is <laughs> well, when, at least from our perspective, yeah, they, they might have stopped in time. Well, when the car goes to change lanes, you can see all the way down the road before the guy pops up. So he wasn't there. You see all the way down the damn road. So I don't. Yeah. Either it's video, it's some weird video trick, but I don't think that that could happen. If it happened in real life, it was some weird time travel. Yeah, these look shit. pretty good. They look pretty good. Yeah. Or it's the mutants last, with teleportation. Powers. The last one yes. is the one I feel is most likely to be fake, which is on the highway and the dog pops up. And yeah, runs off the road. that, that, one, that yeah. one look actually looks fake. Yeah. The rest of them don't look fake, yeah, other right. than that th- they shouldn't be happening. Right, right. It looked like, uh, but this yeah. one definitely looks edited. All right, so let's get into uh, the man who met story. himself on the thirtieth of August in two thousand six. Thirty-six-year-old Haken Nordqvist 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 came back home to find his kitchen flooded with water. Thinking it was nothing more than a leak, he crawled under the sink to fix the problem. But when he crawled inside the cabinet, he noticed that it just continued. So he kept crawling further until he stopped right at the end of the tunnel. When he got out, Nordqvist realized that he had landed up in the future, in 2042, in fact. I don't know how he would realize that, but... Yeah. Oddly enough, he even met himself in the future, uh, an old 72-year-old self. Future Nordqvist wasn't very surprised to meet this guy. Over and above, he even told him things that only he could have known. Then he had the same tattoo. Of course, the future guy's tattoo was a little bit more faded. They even look. Uh, they even took a selfie together. So this, yeah, this so basically, this goes back to our uh, our theory or the theory that we subscribe to on time travel that something that has happened is the always, ontological yeah thing that's always going to happen. Like obviously, his future self isn't surprised to meet him there. Yeah, because he's, he's already did. done it. He's a, he's already done it. He was like, oh shit, I gotta. I, I have to go to this place at this time. Yeah, I've got a time travel appointment. Yeah, my, <laughs> my younger self. I don't want to mess that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool. It's like the selfie they take together. It's a it's a video selfie. It's very short, but it's there. Yeah. Um. So go and, ahead and-, and the guy looks just like him, and they have the same tattoo. I mean, it could be an actor, but it's cool to think about. Mm-hmm. Or they're just two guys who look very similar. Have similar tastes and the same, tattoo. and they got the same flash tattoo at the same shitty tattoo parlor. That's true. I mean, it could be a crappy flash tattoo. Actually, I didn't really pay attention to the tattoos, so now I want to see. So here's him and his older self. I mean, they do look, they very, look very, very similar. similar. Yeah, it <laughs> two could white bald be guys. Him in Thirty years. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I guess if he really wanted to prove it. He could bring a uh, news crew or something to the site in in uh, 2042. Well, they won't go because they weren't there. Well, if yeah, you- that's true. They won't go, or maybe maybe they're in the background. Maybe they're like you know. They're, maybe they, he does. Yeah. Maybe maybe I mean maybe that's just cool news in 2042. You know. Yeah, that's true. Like today, local uh, local uh, time traveling legend Haken Norkus uh, went back to the spot that he appeared. 
in uh, 2042 yeah. uh, when he came from 2006 and met his uh, younger self. And it's like they're just in the background and they're they're just doing like a puff piece. Yeah, <laughs> they're just doing like a puff. Look, look how cute he is. He yeah. time traveled all by himself. This was a a rare uh, time traveling wormhole that uh, occurred sometimes before time travel was actually invented in 2020, 2025. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, if you really wanted to prove it, I think what he should do, what he should have done, is take the video selfie. And then show him, I mean, he can't use a hair on his head because he's bald, but maybe like look for some arm hair or something. Take the arm hair, put it in a bag, seal it so that you, there has to be a way like that you know that shit's been sealed, not opened again. Show him doing the whole deal and then take it to a fucking lab and test it. And if the DNA is the fucking same... Now, t- time time travel erases DNA. It's kind of like a film yeah. at, and a metal detector. Yeah. And an x-ray yeah. machine. Yeah, you can't do it. It just becomes blank. Yeah. That seems blank. too fucking it convenient. It becomes stem cells. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, get into some time slips before we get out of here. Ooh. We're into the time slip. Uh, the Liverpool time slips and mysterious occurrences in Bold Street. The subject of time has always intrigued us. Is it is set as we have always believed, or does time loop back on itself, giving us a glimpse of a shadowy past out of the corner of our eye? Was this just imagination that made us, just for a second, believe we had seen an object or building change before our very eyes into something that looked medieval or maybe not even there? When this happens, we usually shake our heads and put it down to imagination. But over the last few decades, something strange has been happening in or near Bold Street in Liverpool. Not just a glimpse of the past, but full immersion into the strange and mysterious world of English history, if only for a few moments at a time. It's probably all that pollution they got there. Uh, Yeah, it could be. The strange thing about the uh, Bold Street time slips is the actual time and place they are set. In the following cases, the people involved do not go back far in time, but seem to visit a particular decade or decades. So far, most of the sightings have centered around the 1950s and 60s. This is strange in itself. Most time travel experiences seem to take the recipient back, for example, to the 18th or 19th century, but not in this case. Are these people simply copying each other in their experiences, or are they genuinely taking a step back in time? To answer that has to take into account whether they're doing it deliberately to get noticed, mass hallucination, or are they really experiencing this strange phenomena? So... Uh, here's, here's the first one. This is, uh, Frank and Carol. Uh, Frank set off with his wife to go shopping in Liverpool back in 1996. His wife decided that she wanted to go and buy a book at a Waldstones, the large bookstore, and they started to walk towards the area of the shop. As they approached Bold Street, Frank decided to go to another shop first, but bumped into a friend, and he stopped to chat in the street. His wife went ahead without him. A few moments later, Frank said goodbye, visited his shop, and turned to go back to meet his wife. After reaching Bold Street, he headed on towards the bookstore. As he approached, he glanced up and was surprised to see the name Crips above the door. As he was about to cross over to see what was going on, a van swept past him with the name Cardins on the side. The van, dro- uh, the van driver honked his old-fashioned horn and drove past. Looking around, Frank suddenly realized that things were not quite what they should be. He looked at the cars driving past and realized they were all old-fashioned vehicles, such as people would drive back in the 50s and 60s. And then he noticed the people. Men were wearing hats and macs, and the women were dressed in headscarves, full skirts, and had old-fashioned hairstyles such as women wore just after the war. By this time, Frank was beginning to feel slightly freaked out. He carried on 
crossing the road and headed towards the store. As he got closer, he noticed through the window handbags, shoes, and umbrellas. Suddenly, he saw a young woman standing, looking totally bemused at the uh, up at the shop sign. She was wearing modern clothes, and she saw him approaching. She smiled at him. Uh, Frank went into the shop, closely followed by the young woman. When they entered, he was uh, surprised and pleased to see that she had indeed turned back into a bookshop. The young woman smiled, shook her head, and said, That was strange. I thought it was a new clothes shop. Then she walked away looking extremely puzzled. Huh. Weird. So he met another a fellow slipper. Yeah. Yeah, so the odd thing was that Frank was, in fact, a former police officer who was used to dealing in facts, so he's observant, you know? And mm. he definitely wasn't the type of person to believe in the paranormal. Uh, Frank never stopped talking about it. Was this a time slip? Evident- evidently, Crips was a woman's shop that sold clothes and other goods, and Cardin's was also a well-known Liverpool firm that owned vans around the time Frank found himself in. You know, when people say, like, oh, I'm a... This guy was a police officer, so he doesn't uh, believe in ghosts. I I think that's a misnomer. I for think sure. that's a misnomer too. I've known plenty of cops that yeah, believe in the paranormal shit. Like a lot of people do. It's just cops are. Ve- uh, I think the thing is, like, cops are reluctant to talk about paranormal experiences. So if they do talk about it, then it has severely impacted their lives to the point where they don't give a shit. I suppose that... Well, and I guess if you're retired, too. I I suppose that's true, but at this point, saying things like, so-and-so was a scientist, so he was a skeptic, so-and-so was a cop, so he was a skeptic, is kind of like the paranormal version of... Uh, you know, long-time listener, never posted, like, that whole, I gotta give this speech to clarify myself, this is who I am thing. It's like, it's paranormal, it's weird enough, I'm gonna have a slight thread of disbelief as I read it to begin with. I don't need you to verify who I am anymore. Because almost all these stories start that way now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they always look for... Uh, a reason to believe A them. reason to believe them. And just like that famous Loch Ness Monster picture... Uh, from the early 1900s, like the guy confessed on his deathbed that uh, somebody else hoaxed it and he helped them because he was a local doctor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he had more precedent. So that, that doesn't, it really doesn't add as much um, weight to it as it's intended to. Yeah, it's, well, it's just one of those things. It's, it's supposed to get people when they're not really thinking too much about it. They're like, oh, yeah, cops are typically very pragmatic and centered and well not centered but like that they believe in the here and now and facts like well but i mean they're still people yeah right right stop messing with the mic stand i can hear it okay sorry (laughs) um let's go on next to uh imogen and the mother care story the second story concerns a young girl by the name of imogen she had decided to go into liverpool to buy her sister abigail a few things for her new baby Upon arriving, she was happy to see a new mother care store that had opened up on the corner of Lord Street and Whitechapel. She wandered around the store and picked up a few baby items, such as cardigans, baby bibs, and gloves. She was surprised to see how cheap the items were, but thought they were on offer as the store had just opened. Taking them to the counter, she tried to pay with her credit card. The staff member looked at her suspiciously and went off to get the manager. When she came back, she looked at the card and told Imogen that they didn't take cards, So disappointed, Imogen went and put the items back as she hadn't had any money with her. When she got home, she told her mother what had happened. Her mother was surprised and really puzzled. That store closed years ago, she said. There's a bank there now. In fact, that's where I have my account. 
Not believing her, Imogen took her mother back to the same place the next day. Sure enough, the store wasn't there. It was a bank, just as her mother had told her. Huh, weird. Wow, okay. This, so, so this area just has, like, time slips? Maybe. I guess. I mean, that's that's an interesting one because they did have credit cards and things. But I'm assuming this was back in the 50s and 60s that she went to, or maybe a little bit later. They did have credit cards and things, but it was a... You know, right. a much different experience. They had the little thing, and they pressed it to the carbon paper, and then they mailed all the well, slips not, off. Well, a, a lot of places didn't take those. Did either. they yeah. have credit cards in the sixties? Yeah, in the sixties they had credit cards. Yeah, huh. yeah, they had. A, they would they would run. They would put your card on a piece of carbon paper, and put it in a little machine. It would make an imprint of the card, and at the end of of certain time I forget yeah, I mean, how long. I mean I did I, I did that when I worked in the 90s at Sears yeah, yeah. so it's not that far and they would just ago. mail off I all mean the we're slips. pretty old but we're not that old huh <laughs> Lauren Lauren probably doesn't remember that time no I've never <laughs> I've never used uh, that Mike why don't you take this third tale of time <coughs> in the same area okay this is called A Thief Goes Back to 1967 the third tale of a young man named Sean who, while shoplifting in Liverpool back in 2006, ran away from a security guard and headed down Hanover Street. Trying to shake off the guard, Sean, who was 19, turned into a dead-end street called Brooks Alley. By this time, he was out of breath and started to get a light sensation in his chest. Or a tight sensation, I'm sorry. He soon realized that actually it wasn't a problem with him, but the atmosphere around him. He waited for the guard to come around the corner after him, but he never appeared. So, thinking he had given him the slip, he sauntered back out and started to walk down Hanover Street again. But he soon realized something was wrong. The road, the road looked different, and so did the pavement. He noticed cars driving by that looked very old-fashioned, and the roadworks that he knew were there were now gone. Soon he saw that people around him were wearing strange clothes. Crossing over to Bold Street, Bold Street was the other was in the other story too, right? Right. These are all centered around Bold Street. Yeah. He noticed that there were traffic lights where those weren't before, and bushes growing around the Lyceum near a bar that he recognized. He carried on walking, realizing that actually something was really odd. Then he began to panic. He realized that somewhere he had stepped back in time, and the time slip was not going away. Then he remembered his cell phone. Taking it out of his pocket, he tried to get a signal, but of course it didn't work. Eventually, he began to really panic, but spotted a kiosk selling newspapers and headed over. <clears throat> Leaning over the stand, he took a, a look at the front page of the Daily Post. There, in bold lettering, was the date. 18th of May, 1967. He wondered what to do. What happens if he can't be- get back to his own time? What about family and friends? So speeding up his pace, he reached H. Samuel, the jeweler, the jewelers, and tried the phone once again. This time it worked. Sighing with relief, he looked around and realized he had returned to the present. But the strange thing was, he could still see down the end of the road people still walking it around in 1967. By this time, Sean had seen enough and dived into a bus to go home. When he was interviewed by the local newspaper later, he stated over four times the exact account. Now, you may think Sean was making the story up to escape the guard, but the strange tale didn't end there. When the security guard was interviewed, he stated that when he ran after Sean and turned down the dead-end alley after him, he said that Sean had completely disappeared. 
When the newspaper checked out the facts of Sean's story, they found that everything he said was historically So accurate. I have a theory on this area. Okay. My theory on this area is that there are just a bunch of fucking people in this town that are really into, uh, what is it called? Reenactments. Reenactments and uh, the improv everywhere shit. Oh, okay. So what they do is they <laughs> they pick a time, they all show up in their old fucking cars, because people with old cars love to get to fucking together. And change the buildings. They, cha- they change some signs, they add some newspapers. Open a shop that's been closed for 40 years. I, you know, they just change shit up <laughs> and just fuck with people. And it's just like a thing. They don't talk about it. No one says a thing about it. And they just fuck with him. Because how the fuck else does he turn around and look down the street and still see 1967? He's, he's seeing into a different time. He's in the same space. That's still fucking crazy. But, but he can see two different times. I do like to think this town is full of reenactment assholes, though. <laughs> just just driving the other members of the town slowly we should, we crazy. Should go there and see. Because if we go there, Lauren will definitely slip back in time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you think like, I'll By yourself, nobody else will. I'm the yeah, one yeah. that'll get screwed by yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. You do that now, here. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, you just wander off and get lost. So I, if we take yeah. you here... So many times you're gonna Lauren go back to 1967. Has wandered off, like walked down an alleyway that has no exit, and come out a different way and with different somebody person. else who found her in like a way different part. Yeah, of town. you might be time slipping when you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of weird shit. Yeah, there was that, that time the where she went into what could only be described as the mirror dimension. Yeah, I don't. I always feel weird talking about that. Well, I mean, uh, I think I, I think time slips in a, like a more general sense and a less dramatic sense uh, are actually way more common than we would think. Probably. Like, there's been so there's been so many times where I have where where I've like looked at the clock and been like, oh shit, I it's it's one thirty. I gotta go to I gotta go to sleep soon. Mm. And then I've read for like another twenty minutes and I've looked back and it was one oh five. I yeah. do that I, that happened to me the other day actually. That happens to me a lot of mornings and I'm trying to figure out what the fuck it is. Like maybe it's my perception of time. Yeah. Because every morning uh, the alarm goes off at seven thirty and every morning I ask to sleep another thirty minutes. But it always feels like I've laid there for an extra hour and a half, way longer than 30 minutes. And it might be just because my sleepy brain is perceiving time slowly. I don't I get, know, but I get it weirds me out. I've also had another experience when I was like, uh, when I was in the military, uh, traveling from 29 Palms to Palm Springs, which is like the biggest city near 29 Palms mm-hmm. and a fun place to hang out. So. I forget exactly how long it took to make the drive. I think it was like a little bit over an hour. But then one night we were like coming back from Palm Springs to 29 Palms and we were just talking and there's this, uh, this little mountain range that you got to go over, uh, you know, that, you know, it's like curvy roads that cut through, cut through this mountain or whatever. And we realized we were talking and we never went through that spot. And then all of a sudden, and, and then we realized we the the trip had taken us about half as long as it normally did. That's and we were so like, weird. What the hell? Like, we, and we all like, it wasn't just me. No, that everyone this. Everybody experienced in the car it that way. Experienced it the exact same way. So yeah, there's weird little things that that uh, 
uh, researching for this episode, I've come across so many anecdotes of like just weird little time slips that like maybe you know thirty minutes or an hour. You know yeah. that happens well, to me on the Courtney Campbell a lot, especially if I'm driving alone. Well, we all experienced the time slip exactly like that, though. Do you remember uh, me, you, John, Mike, and Stuart were all in my car and we were leaving the Walmart. I don't think and John Oldsmar. was there. Maybe. No, John was there too. I think so. Yeah, you were there for this because we all experienced this where we went, we were leaving the Walmart in Oldsmar and we, I turned the wrong way by accident and we ended up somewhere in like, uh, I forget where, like it was somewhere in some part of Tampa yeah, that we no, shouldn't have been able like to get to. 45 minutes away. Yeah, it was like an hour away, but we, a new song had just started on my CD player. It was a System of Down song, That's actually. Right, yeah. And that was only like five minutes long, and the song hadn't even ended when we realized where we were. And then we drove back, and the next song didn't end before we got back to the Walmart. Yeah. No, we ended up somewhere in like Lutz. Like it weird. was ridiculous. It was something weird. Like I don't know if it was that far, but it was something weird like that. But yeah, that yeah, that just goes with my point that these weird little time slips that you could just kind of write off and lose to yeah. memory. Well, yeah, that's what. But that's time. what I was saying yeah. is that like you reading, and then you know, that guy could just be explaining like, oh, you stopped paying attention and you lost track of time. But it went but, backwards. But, but this, I specifically this, remember when reading. Like I remember trying to keep track <clears throat> of the time so I didn't read too late. Yeah, but and then but you could still like someone could yeah, make you the could argument write that off. Yeah. yeah, but in in our case, we were listening to a song that's completely timed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's definitely something like well this song hasn't ended and we know it's only four to five minutes long. Yeah, I mean that was probably you know fifteen years ago and so that could be written off to us all having a shitty memory too. So <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because we've talked about that. And since Jared's then. No, told have. me that yeah. story quite a few times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I but, just think that there yeah, are. I think these little weird little time travels just happen all the yeah, time. I yeah, I think there are just pockets of space time and reality that are just slightly weaker than others. Well, well jumping off that, do you th- do you think that the uh, the time travelers that we saw in the previous video- videos, like the Charlie Chaplin one, where the people were, talking were, like, on cell having phones, time slips, were people wandering through a time slip but not paying attention? Right, you know, just yes. some hipster wearing old timey clothes. Yeah, I do think so. You know, just walking along, dicking around on her phone, not paying attention, like talking to you know Gabby. And then she's looking around, and she's like, "Why is everybody dressed weird?" Yeah. Well, no, she's not even like weirded out by it because she's like, "Oh yeah, we're all dressing like this. Yeah, we're all yeah. dressing like the world's oldest grandma today." Well, the, yeah, there's that old. Uh, I, I didn't even get to that one. The old photo of the the guy with like a graphic tee and sunglasses, like Ray Ban sunglasses. Oh yeah, you like, showed yeah. me that before. Like an old 1920s photograph. Yeah, he's wearing like an Ed Hardy. T- t-shirt like the fuck it's not an ed hardy t-shirt but it's some kind of graphic thing like it's a t-shirt that says something on it and he's wearing like a cardigan over it and it's like well nobody dressed like that back then he's like the only guy not wearing a hat yeah Yeah. (laughs) accidental time slip is the only thing that can excuse that one lady just walking around shooting the shit on her phone not even trying to hide it she might have been otherwise i don't know that lady that lady looked like she was she was dressed perfectly for the time so yeah so i think she's just careless um. All right. Well, that's it for time travel. That's it's one of my favorite subjects, but we can go on and on about it forever. Um, before we get out of here, uh, I just want to go to ghost sex. Woo! Our favorite British, ghost sex. British athletes claim sex ghost is haunting their reality show. And what's the problem? Two British athletes uh, starring on a reality show are claiming that a sex ghost seems to be haunting their hotel rooms. Sex ghost. It's British, just the rapist producer. <laughs> British oh. Paralympian. Uh, Kinda Cox and retired rugby star Gareth Thomas are two of the celebrities competing in the jump. 
a British show where famous people compete in various snow sports. Uh, the season's first episode aired Sunday on Channel 4, but the show is uh, scaring up more attention for what's happening in the celeb's hotel room. Uh, during the episode, the 25-year-old Cox reportedly asked for a new room after allegedly being sexually violated by a ghost. Another competing celebrity, Emma Parker Bowles, the Duchess of Cornwall's niece, said on the show that Cox was penetrated by some sort of paranormal <laughs> entity. Go- that ghost, they just want to fuck, yeah. you know? Tom- Thomas42 concurred. She had a ghost going in and out of her. She had a sleep thing, he said. According to the sun, she wishes it were a person. It was going in and out of her body. How did so he she s- wouldn't have minded if it was if a person? If it was a person fucking her, she'd be co- cool, I guess. Uh, the feeling was apparently so real to her, she asked for a room change, as did Thomas. <laughs> I wanted to move to different floors because when I'm hearing these ghost stories, I was on the very, very end of the corridor, and I got scared, he said. <laughs> That's so fair. So he didn't actually even have a problem. He just got scared. Well, he's just smart. He's like a guy that they would never make a paranormal movie about. Yeah. Because he was like, whoa, this shit's scary. All right, I'm, I'm out. moving. Yeah. <laughs> Cox and Thomas are just the latest semi-famous people who've claimed to have sex with a ghost. Last year, Bobby Brown. Yeah, we talked about that before. We talked about all these other ghost ones before that they're going to mention. But yeah, so this chick is getting uh, banged by a ghost. She's getting banged by a ghost. Apparently, it felt real enough to her that she acted on that. I mean, perfect, she looks hot. I, I don't The perfect really get cover it. story so you don't have to explain to your husband why you're not a virgin. Why would she be a virgin? Well, you have to be a virgin. When? Well, you get married. Okay. No, no man's gonna marry some chick who's already. <laughs> Do I have some news for you? <laughs> Women don't count. Wah wah wah. <laughs> no, so I I don't know if if you get penetrated by a ghost, does it make you not a virgin anymore? I don't think that counts. Does uh, it count as cheating? I don't think it counts. It, as cheating. it makes you a spiritual. I don't think it counts whore. as cheating. No, no. I mean, you, nobody's asking for a ghost to come and fuck them. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, it, it's it, not cheating. It violates the spirit of cheating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the spirit of cheating is purposeful. Oh, but the man. law. But the, 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 the law. <laughs> the law of cheating. I, yeah. have a, I have a friend who claims that they got fucked by a non-corporeal being. Really? Yeah, like a couple times. Like to the point where... Apparently it's a common claim. Yeah, apparently to the point where she was kind of looking forward to it. She wasn't dating anyone at the time, so she was just kind of like, like, I hope this ghost comes back. That yeah, felt nice. Yeah. Or it's just her time traveling back to fuck herself wow. using the uh, virtual time traveling. There you go, Jeff. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Could be a virtual time. T- oh, my God. Well, it's once once I've time traveled, Jared is going to be blowing himself on the regular. It's a virtual Japanese time travel simulation. Close. Man, if there is virtual time travel simulations, I am coming back and fucking myself. So, all right. yeah, all right. All right, we, we, we all figured out what we're saving up for in the future. <laughs> Pornhub.com. <laughs> all right, that's it for the show, guys. Uh, remember, you can check us out on Facebook at Mysteriousnesses. Uh, uh, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Smart Radio, or check us out Saturdays at 6 p.m. on Bubba Radio 1. Uh, if you've had any experiences, please get in contact with us, and we'd love to talk about them on the show. If you have any suggestions, please get in contact with us so we can research it. Yeah, we, we will uh, look up anything that interests you guys that also interests us. So, thank you, you guys so it. much for listening. Uh, check out Mysteriousnesses.com and our other podcast, SomethingPlanet.com. Thanks, guys. Good, Good night. night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.